Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you? I always ask you that. I know you answer, but I can't hear you. But I pray that you're well and drawing nearer to God and realizing the privilege we have of being alive in this world for such a time as this when we have the message the entire world needs. And we may be out of work. We may be struggling with illness, with uh, family matters, with work matter, all kinds of things. But we have the truth about eternal life and our life on this earth is not going to be too much longer. So um, we have everything the world needs, and I'm extremely grateful for it. You are probably aware, I've been reading Bishop Strickland's, Joseph Strickland's letters. Um, He's been coming out with one a week, and one is better than the next, the one better than the one before. They're they're wonderful on um, to uh, thwart, so to speak, to head off the dangers that are um, spoken of to come out of the synod and synodality next month. And he's writing on every issue that would be challenged. And um, it's been uh, truly wonderful. Um, Another um, group of messages has been circulating about whether or not, as you know, uh, Pope Francis is the Pope. And there are good people that have come out declaring that he's not the Pope. Um, I grieve at that because um, we can do a lot of searching and researching and praying and conclude individually or even in council that he may be an invalid pope, that his election may be invalid or that he's invalid for what, one reason or another, for teaching heresy, for whatever it is. But I am not under the understanding that anyone in this church, no matter who they are, um, can declare him invalid. And um, Bishop Athanasius Snyder is on top of, I, th- I think he's the world's bishop. He's, in, he's on top of uh, these issues, and he's really, Bishop Athanasius Snyder is, is acting as the world's shepherd. He's, he's on top of it all, and he's orthodox, he's beautiful, traditional that which just just that word means catholic it means nothing else but catholic and um he wrote um oh just a week ago um this article which has been published in a website called the catholic thing headed by a robert royal and it's an outstanding website you could trust whatever's published on that website the catholic thing and he says this um Uh, oh, wait a minute now. There's two different articles. I don't want to get them here. He wrote um, this again a week ago on the validity of Pope Francis. And this is on 1 Peter 5. I have a second article on the Catholic thing, but 1 Peter 5. It was published one week ago. Bishop Athanasius Snyder, who is the auxiliary bishop of Astana, Kakistan. Um, <clears throat> and he writes this. There is, and, and, and take this to heart, beloved, because um, 
I would never say Pope Francis is not the Pope. When he speaks heresy, I'm not judging that. It's clear from the teaching of the church. If someone's speaking against the deposit of faith or the teaching of the church, we don't have to judge that. It's clear two and two is four. If someone says two and two is three, we know he's wrong. And so, but that doesn't mean he's not the Pope. Um, Bishop Snyder says, there is no authority to declare or consider an elected and generally accepted Pope as an invalid Pope. The constant practice of the church makes it evident that even in the case of an invalid election, this invalid election will be de facto healed through the general acceptance of the new elected by the overwhelming majority of the cardinals and bishops. So it's up to a future pope to determine that. Even, Bishop Snyder says, in the case of a heretical pope, he will not lose his office automatically, and there is no body within the church to declare him deposed because of heresy. Such actions would come close to a kind of heresy of conciliarism or episcopalism. The heresy of conciliarism or episcopalism says basically that there is a body within the church, such as an ecumenical council, a synod, college of cardinals, college of bishops, which can issue a legally binding judgment over the Pope. The theory of the automatic loss of the papacy due to heresy remains only an opinion, and even St. Robert Bellarmine noticed this and did not present it as a teaching of the magisterium itself. The perennial papal magisterium never taught such an opinion. In 1917, when the Code of Canon Law came into force, the magisterium of the church eliminated from the new legislation the remark of the um, uh, Decretum Graziani in the old Corpus Luris Canonici, which stated that a pope who deviates, and I apologize for mispronunciations, which stated that a pope who deviates from right doctrine can be deposed Um, Never in history did the magisterium of the church admit any canonical procedures of disposition, of deposition from a heretical pope. The church has no power over the pope formally or judicially. The surer Catholic tradition says that in the case of a heretical pope, the members of the church can avoid him, resist him, refuse to obey him, all of which can be done without requiring a theory or opinion that says that heretical pope automatically loses his office or can be deposed consequently. So, beloved, as um, Bishop Strickland has said, Michael Matt, Bishop Snyder, uh, many others, um, uh, we can resist him, we can avoid him, we can just let him speak heresy and avoid him, we can resist him, We can refuse to obey him because we must never obey heresy. Um, And we can do all this without requiring uh, a conclusion that says that a heretical pope automatically loses his office or can be deposed consequently. Therefore, Bishop Schneider says, we must follow the surer way, via tutior, surer way, and abstain from defending the mere opinion of theologians even they be saints like St. Robert Bellarmine, which says that a heretical pope automatically loses his office 
or can be deposed by the church, therefore. <clears throat> the Pope cannot commit heresy when he speaks ex cathedra or ex cathedra. We've been talking about this. That means out of the chair of Peter. Um, this is a dogma of faith. In his teaching outside of ex cathedra statements, that is, uh, binding on the faithful from the chair of Peter in matters of faith and morals, Um, in his teaching outside, apart from ex-cathedra statements. However, he can commit doctrinal ambiguities, errors, and even heresies. And since the Pope, the Pope is not infallible, beloved. The Pope uh, has the gift of infallibility only when he's speaking from the chair of Peter on matters of faith and morals, that he is binding on the faithful, in which case the Holy Spirit protects him from speaking error. So we are never bound by error. And since the Pope is not identical with the entire church, the church is stronger than a single erring or heretical Pope. In such a case, one should respectfully correct him, avoiding purely human anger and disrespectful language. Father Altman, do you hear that? In such a case, one should respectfully correct him, avoiding purely human anger and disrespectful language. Resist him, as one would resist a bad father of a family. Yet the members of a family cannot declare their evil father deposed from the fatherhood. They can correct him, refuse to obey him, separate themselves from him, but they cannot declare him deposed. Good Catholics know the truth and must proclaim it. Offer reparation for the errors of an erring Pope. Since the case of a heretical Pope is humanly irresolvable, we must implore with supernatural faith a divine intervention, because that singular erring Pope is not eternal, but temporal, and the Church is not in our hands, but in the almighty hands of God. We must have enough supernatural faith trust, humility, and a spirit of the cross in order to endure such an extraordinary trial in such relatively short situations in comparison to 2,000 years. We must not yield to a too-human reaction and to an easy solution declaring the invalidity of this pontificate, but must keep sobriety that it's a cool head and at the same time, a true supernatural view and trust in divine intervention and in the indestructibility of the church. End of article by Athanasius Snyder. I tell you from my heart how I wish he were the next pope. How I wish that were the case. He's not even a cardinal. And he's not a bishop. He's, he is a bishop, but he's an auxiliary bishop. But I wish he were the next pope. God could do whatever he wants on that one. But I certainly wish that. This is a true shepherd of the church. A true shepherd. That is the music for... Is that James' music for our first break? Okay, I'm sorry. I have to turn up the volume here. Um, Beloved, we'll be right back after the break and uh, take up another matter on this current synod on synodality. And after the second break, we'll have the half hour, as always, all to ourselves and um, take your calls and your emails. The toll-free number is one 511 5483 Hello, 
beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. It just really connected me to my faith. I always considered myself 100% Catholic, but didn't really realize that I wasn't fully practicing my faith, so I learned so much through the Station of the Cross and began just getting deeper in my prayers and feeling just so much closer to God and so well-versed in learning more about the Bible and more about what actually it means to be Catholic. So it became very, very important to me, and I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I make it a regular practice of donating every time they have their their fundraising and just love it and wouldn't want it to ever go away. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. And by far the most transforming aspect of this experience was simply coming into the direct knowledge that God himself not only knew me by name, but had been paying attention to me as though I were the only creature he had ever created. That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live so far. All is well. I thank God for that. Um... James, is the Comrex on? Yes. Okay, good. I, it doesn't look like it to me. So I keep having to check in with our dear producer, James, because things go crazy on this end. So um, I want to read another article by Bishop Athanasius Snyder on the synodal, so-called synodal church, that is, the church that is predicted to emerge from the synod on synodality at the end of October. Um, and it's called a new synodal church, and Bishop Snyder says that undermines the Catholic Church. <clears throat> and he says many questions have arisen about the current synodal process, as I've been reading to you from Bishop Strickland. And therefore, in order to be of service to Christ's flock, I would like to address some important points of the instrumentum laboris. That's the working document for uh, the October 23rd session of the Synod on Synodality. This working document, or instrumentum, appears to undermine the divine constitution and the apostolic character of the life and mission of the Catholic Church, substituting for them an invented synodal church inspired predominantly by Protestant, social, and anthropocentric categories below are several principal areas of concern. Number one, 
the divine constitution of the church is undermined. Episcopal authority is undermined by the instrumentum laboris, that's the working document of the Synod on Synodality, in two principal ways. First, by demanding a greater involvement of all the faithful and thus a less exclusive exercise of the bishop's role. And by fostering a community discernment process. Second, by making Episcopal authority dependent on and accountable to non-hierarchical advisory bodies following secular institutions. Papal authority is undermined in two principal ways. First, by suggesting that the convergence of several groups of local churches on the same issue should commit the Bishop of Rome to address it at the level of the universal church. Second, by suggesting that local institutions in different regions may adopt different approaches than the Bishop of Rome, which he ought to accept. But the following magisterial affirmation remains valid, quote, the successor of Peter is the rock which guarantees a rigorous fidelity to the word of God against arbitrariness and conformism. The the hierarchical structure of the church is undermined by an ambiguous use of the word ministry, which is unhelpfully attributed to both the ordained and the non-ordained, as when it attempts, quote, to foster an understanding of ministers that is not reduced to ordained ministry. But the following magisterium affirmations remain valid. It must be recognized that language becomes uncertain confused and therefore not useful for expressing the doctrine of faith whenever in any way the difference of essential and not only of degree between the baptismal priesthood and the ordained priesthood is blurred. Only in virtue of sacred ordination does it, ministry, obtain that fullness and university of meaning, one voice, that tradition has always attributed to it. The hierarchical structure of the church is also undermined by imposing facilitators who will accompany communities at all levels of ecclesial life and by making the following a priority, that is, calling for the issue of women's participation in governance, decision-making, mission and ministries at all levels of the church. Again, Bishop counters, but the following magisterial affirmations remain valid. It will also be necessary to ensure that at every level, in language, in teaching, in pastoral practice, in governance choices, the sacred ministry is presented in its ontological specificity, which does not allow fragmentation or undue appropriation. Bishop continues, the unity of the sacrament of holy orders is undermined by calling the church to question the diaconal ordination of women, call for the question of women's inclusion in the diaconate to be considered. Bishop Snyder counsels, counters, but the following magisterian affirmations remain valid. The church has no authority whatsoever to confer priestly ordination on women, and that this judgment is to be definitively held 
by all the church's faithful. And because the sacrament of ordination is one, women cannot be sacramentally ordained at all. Next subject. Divinely revealed moral law is undermined this by this uh, working instrument of the synod. Divinely revealed moral law is undermined in three principal ways. First, there are grave omissions by the absence of any discussion of sin, the Ten Commandments, and the virtue of chastity. Can you imagine this? The synod and synodality to come out with a new synodal church, and their admissions by the absence of discussion on sin, the Ten Commandments, and the virtue of chastity. Second, the so-called LGBTQ movement is implicitly, implicitly promoted, which includes promoting homosexual activity and the current worldwide, worldwide totalitarian gender ideology. Thus, the instrumentum laboris laments those who do not feel accepted in the church, such as LBG, uh, LGBTQ plus Catholics. And it calls the church to welcome those who feel excluded from the church because of their status or sexuality, for example, LGBTQ plus people, etc., you think our Lord needs to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah? They didn't, f- all those homosexuals that were put to death, they didn't feel included. Our Lord did not come from heaven and die for our sin and rise from the dead to make us feel included, but to save us from our sin and death and hell and bring us to everlasting life. Bishop Snyder says, but the following magisterial affirmations remain valid. The principles of respect and non-discrimination cannot be invoked to support legal recognition of homosexual unions. The denial of the social and legal status of marriage to forms of cohabitation that are not and cannot be marital is not opposed to justice. On the contrary, justice requires. Third, Immorality regarding marriage is implicitly promoted when the document laments those, quote, who do not feel accepted in the church, such as the divorced and remarried, people in polygamous marriages. I'm glad they don't feel accepted because if we are to blame if we accept them in their full state. But the following magisterial affirmations remain valid. As far as the sexual sphere is concerned, we know the firm position that Jesus Christ took in defense of the indissolubility of marriage and the condemnation pronounced also against simple adultery of the heart. It is realistic to imagine a permissive Christ. No, it's a question. Is it realistic to imagine a permissive Christ in the field of married life, in matters of abortion, premarital, extramarital, or homosexual-sexual relations, certainly the primitive Christian community taught by those who had known Christ personally was not permissive. The numerous passages in the Pauline letters that touch on this matter are certainly not lacking, and he quotes Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians 6, Galatians 5. They are certainly not lacking in clarity and rigor. And they are words inspired from above. They remain normative for the church of all times. 
It is not licit. Hold on now. It is not licit to impart a blessing on relationships or partnerships, even stable, that involve sexual activity outside of marriage, such as um, outside the indissoluble union of a man and woman, open in itself to the transmission of life. The blessing of homosexual unions cannot be considered licit. This is because they would constitute a certain imitation or analog of the nuptial blessing invoked on the man and woman united in the sacrament of matrimony, while in fact, quote, there are absolutely no grounds for considering homosexual unions to be in any way similar or even remotely analogous to God's plan for marriage and the family. That is uh, quoting heresy from Pope Francis's apostolic exhortation, Amoris Laetitiae. And then the subject, the life and mission of the church, is undermined. <clears throat> the apostolic and supernatural character of the life and mission of the church is undermined in three principal ways. First, there are grave omissions by the absence of a discussion of Eucharistic adoration, the cross of Christ, and man's final end in eternity. Second, there is a worldly bureaucratization of the church, the promotion of a kind of neo-Pelagian heresy of action through an increase of structures and meeting sessions with the key words consensus building and decision-making used as if the church were a human-focused business. Third, there is a subjectivistic pentecalization of the life of the church by presumptuously attributing to human dialogue non-official prayers and mutual exchange of views of vague of views of vague spirituality no I'm, I'm not and mutual exchange of views of vague spiritual quality such as the conversion in the spirit called by the holy spirit protagonism of the spirit but the following magisterium affirms affirmations remain valid the church is by its very nature a reality different from mere human societies and that therefore it is necessary to affirm that the mentality and praxis existing in certain cultural, socio-political currents of our time cannot be automatically transferred to the church itself. And then finally, other grave harms are committed. I'll start to read this, but I think we're going to come up against our second break, and I won't be able to finish it. You can go to thecatholicthing.org, the Catholic org on the internet and it is called the title A New Synodal Church Undermines the Catholic Church everything going on in this synod is not only undermining the deposit of faith it is eliminating the deposit of faith by eliminating sin, the commandments and crucial areas of our lives given by God um Beloved, that's the music for our second break. We'll come back and we'll have a whole half hour to ourselves. Our lines are open. You're welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
One man, one woman, for life, for children, for each other, and it's a sacrament. All that you need to fulfill these obligations, these duties of the married state are in the sacrament of marriage. It does not matter how difficult a particular marriage is. God will give you the grace to be faithful to the vows that you made to your spouse at his altar. The devil knows this and he uses it every day. He makes people forget the great power and efficacy of the sacrament of marriage. I am utterly shocked at the number of Catholic couples, married couples, devout Catholics, been married for many years, who do not pray together as husband and wife. That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. It is a scientific fact that life begins at fertilization. Every human being is a human person. It already says in the 14th Amendment of our U.S. Constitution that all persons are to have equal protection under the laws. Yet we have an ongoing mass murder of our little pre-born brothers and sisters under the big lie of abortion. The Supreme Court must explicitly affirm federal protection for our last excluded class and end this constitutional crisis. Use your voice and sign the petition now at thestationofthecross.com. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest, prayer, or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have a whole half hour to myself to ourselves, <laughs> my favorite part of the program. And you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free one 511 5483 or email at mother at Um We have a call from Jim in Pennsylvania. Hello, Jim. Hello, Mother Miriam. It's been a while. How since are I've you? you? Very good. I know. I'm happy to hear from you. Good. The question I have for you is you recommended a series of books. I mean, it was all by the same author, but different volumes about the Latin mass being broken up into daily, uh, daily meditations. And I can't remember who, I can't remember who wrote the book. Well, I think, uh, it's, it's, uh, Don Prosper Garanger, uh, in the 1800s, it's 15 volumes. And um, it goes through um, all the seasons and, and the Mass daily, uh, including the saints and everything else, and the, and the whole Mass and the readings and the meditation. It's 15 volumes, Dom Prosper Garanger, um, and it's available from many websites. All right, well, thank you, then. You're welcome, Jim. Good to hear from you. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. 
Thank you, honey. Um, yesterday, uh, oh no, we have something else here. Um, just a quick uh, email from Joan, who says, have your thoughts about Father James Altman changed over the past couple of years? Is he someone the faithful should be following? I remember you had him as a guest on your program at one point, but a lot has happened since then, thanks. Father James Altman is a good priest, um, a good and holy priest. Um, my thoughts about him have not changed. My caution about him is his emotions and his um, unhesitancy to speak so disrespectfully of um, of the Holy Father, uh, of the Pope, even if the whole Pope speaks heresy, um, even if he believes he's not the Pope. But he, I think he doesn't take his responsibility as a priest seriously enough, Bishop uh, Father Altman, um, because it scandalizes some of the faithful. It's one thing for a priest or a layperson to say, I think there is sufficient material to doubt whether Pope Francis is validly elected or is the Pope or the issues about Pope Benedict resigning, all of that. It's one thing to say, there's sufficient evidence to suggest such and such. But to come out and declare it single-handedly, um, I think, um, is an issue of, of ignorance and pride and lack of understanding of how that affects the faithful and lack of understanding of what is not his to declare. And so um, I, 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 would, I would correct him on that, uh, to not... Uh, advertise what he thinks that the Pope Francis is not the Pope to not speak to him of, of him hey Bergoglio to me that it, I just absolutely cringe at his disrespect um, uh, so um, we need to respect the office of the Holy Father and leave it to God to let us know at a time in the future um, what the status is but God is allowing it and we cannot um, destroy the respect due to the office of Pope um, with such uh, horrible language. So uh, I, I would I would beg Father Altman to reconsider uh, his language. I have before. I have even in person, but um, it, it it doesn't seem to be his conclusion. Uh, we have a and actually we did read this yesterday and I promised I would take it on top of the and I'm going to ban this hard with pornography um, and um, it's a painful struggle I know that from many many situations um, and I would suggest this is a woman who loves God and doesn't think she can um, I will reread the uh, email. She says, Dear Mother Miriam, I'm a young woman struggling with pornography. I have long periods of time in which I do not have any interest in it. But after a certain period of time, I fall again. After I fall, I feel disgusted, <clears throat> and I go to confession with the intention to change and be stronger the next time I feel this kind of desire. But after some time, as I said... I fall, fall again. I'm going to stop this right now to tell you that you are writing on behalf of thousands of women. I, I, I can 
predict that and say that without any hesitancy. So many women are struggling, men too, of course, but women, in addition, are struggling with this and they're so ashamed to even go to confession because they're so ashamed. Um, And she says, um, I feel I have a very hardened heart because otherwise, how would I dare to offend our Lord who has suffered so much for me? Well, that sentence shows you don't have a hardened heart. You do love him. You, You have an addiction and you have a great weakness. And the devil attacks, attacks us through our weaknesses. She says, but I do thus. I have the sensation that nothing I do, no matter how good or pious it is, will be disgusting in the eyes of God because it is stained. I think she's saying anything she does in the eyes of God will be disgusting because it is stained. I also have great sorrow because our church needs saints and not more sin. God bless you. Absolutely. I wish everybody thought that. I ardently want to be holy and be able to please him in everything and be a true light and all this. I would love to be an innocent, beautiful young lady that reflects his glory. But what I have already seen and my desires make me feel that I'm too stained for that. You are not. You are not. God takes glory in converting um, hardened sinners. But you are not a hardened sinner. You are exuding great uh, judgment and love. Um, She says, I do not have access to a counselor. I also do not trust the general state of modern psychology nowadays. I'm in the process of seeking a spiritual director. Um, That's good. Um, I also think that the devil tempts me because it is not a constant addiction, but instead it goes on and off. But of course there is certain certainly brokenness in me there's no question about that i know that already otherwise he would not he wouldn't tempt me with that that's right sweetheart something in your background has um brought you to pornography um perhaps even as a comfort to you and um uh, there's help for you sweetheart she says any thoughts or devout practices that i can implement by myself would be greatly appreciated thanks so much mother miriam First, my dear sister, I want you to know that you do love God. Um, because we have habitual sin does not mean we don't love God. It means that the, the enemy has uh, a hold on our weakness, on our weakness. And it, it's nothing for him to tempt us. Uh, and the more we give in, the more we'll be tempted. Um, trust that God loves you and that he does accept your love for him. Um, You want there to be less sin and more saints. That's a heart that loves God, not a heart that could care less. And so I would would want to um, encourage you to seek a spiritual director. And I just looked online. There is a resource. Of course, you could look online as well. It's a resource for women struggling struggling with sexual addiction. Um, It's magdalaministries.org. Uh, because she's the patron of uncompromising purity. So that sounds like it could be. A, yes, it is. It's the young, young Catholic woman dot com. The young Catholic woman, W-O-M-A-N dot com. Take a look at that. And there's if you t- I typed in Catholic resources for young women struggling with pornography. You can do the same. Go to the young Catholic woman uh, dot com and see what they offer. And then there's lots of resources there. Um, uh, 
do go to confession. Don't stop because you keep doing it. Don't stop going to confession. Um, your, when you go to confession, you have a, uh, um, a seer, sincere desire, and you do have a firm amendment, even though you know that you're weak and can fall into it again. Um, don't fail to go to confession. Uh, ask Our Lady to bring you the perfect spiritual director for you, man or woman, priest or woman. Um, and um, if it's a man, it must be a priest. And if it's a woman who's trained in these ways, maybe a good Catholic counselor, not the worldly uh, counsel of today, that might be a good option as well. Um, and look for online. And the main thing is don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. As long as you don't give up, as long as you keep striving, as long as you keep praying, as long as you keep seeking God, you will be all right. Uh, he, will, uh, he will help you and he will lead you. Do not despair. Do not give up. And that I say to anyone, man or woman, struggling with husband or wife, struggling with pornography, never, ever, 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 ever give up hope. Never. God is there to redeem you and to heal you. Okay, now. Um, uh, we have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Hello, Mother Miriam. Is it true that it is strictly forbidden to accuse the Pope of heresy at any time for any reason? I've seen so many different stances on this. No, it's not forbidden to accuse the Pope of heresy because we must. If the Pope says that divorced and remarried people can receive without annulments, it can receive communion, it's heresy. Uh, if if Pope says that we can receive communion unworthily, it's heresy. Because Pastor Paul wrote that if we do that, we bring condemnation to ourselves. We must know our faith, James chapter 1, where we be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. It is not forbidden to accuse the Pope of heresy. Um, it, we could say, well, the Pope is a heretic. I'm not saying that. I say, I, I'm not going to accuse him of being a heretic. I'm going to accuse him of speaking heresy. Now, if someone continues to speak heresy, we can conclude they're a heretic. But I'm not going that far. But as sheep, we must know our faith. And we must know what is true and what is against the truth. We must do that. And so if he speaks heresy, same-sex same sex unions can be blessed, total heresy. All through the Old and New Testament, homosexuals will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's wrong. It's heresy. It's against the faith. It's against truth. We must be clear on that. And it's not forbidden to accuse him of speaking heresy. If we quote his statements and show how they are against the church teaching in Scripture, that's what we are called to do. Um, we have an email from Teresa who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I was recently informed while in confession that I needed to forgive God for all the suffering he has permitted in my life. I've never heard of such a thing in my life. God doesn't need our forgiveness. He doesn't need our forgiveness. My goodness. We forgive God if we're accusing him of sin. She says, is that possible when God is all loving and good? No, it's not. I do suffer from deep anger and blockage in my relationship with God. Thank you and God bless you in Jesus and Mary. Teresa, no, no. If you suffer with deep anger and blockage in your relationship with God, it's simply that you don't know who God is. 
and you don't know who you are in him. And you don't know the love with which he died for you on the cross. Uh, You need help. You need a good spiritual counselor and director to help you with that. But we do not forgive God. Um, Whatever God permits, the suffering he permits in our life is for our good. Whom he loves, he chastens, Romans chapter 12. And he prunes us. Every bit of suffering God allows is to make us saints. James? Hello? where you live by participating in the September 27th to November 5th 40 Days for Life Vigil. Let God use you to save a life. Change the heart of an abortion worker and close your local abortion facility. Visit 40daysforlife.com and sign up to pray. Now is the time to be part of the beginning of the end of abortion. Please join us in a prayer to St. Anthony of Padua. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O dear protector, St. Anthony, on this day we direct our fervent prayer to you, asking you to hear us and to intercede for us. We are parents who ask for peace in our families, our worthy occupations, and our daily bread. We are children who ask for divine assistance and protection in the hope of a successful and happy future. We are the needy poor, the afflicted, and sinners who come to you for help and grace. Therefore, speak on our behalf to that child whom you hold in your arms, and we are sure of being heard. Amen. trying to push more bug meat on the world? Hi, Joe McLean here, and Alex Newman weighs in on the Wednesday edition of A Catholic Take about the UN report wanting us to eat more bugs and less animals. Also on the program, Bear Wozniak joins us. He's got a brand new book out by Sophia Institute Press called 12 Rules for Manliness. Where have all the cowboys gone? Join us on A Catholic Take live 7 a.m. Eastern all across the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so happy to be with you. Um, we keep having technical problems, and we keep trying to fix them. So um, it's, it's all well, and I'm thrilled to be with you. So we now, and it's our last segment. We have 10 minutes, still time for you to call in if you wish. With anything on your heart, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We have an email from Mary. 
Mary writes, Some months ago, a huge change in our worship was instituted. We are told because of the lack of priests and the lack of young people coming to church, sacramental marriages and baptisms have dropped off. Our pastors and priests are gone, shifted to other parishes, and we now have a rotating set of priests coming to celebrate the Eucharist. We never know who is going to show up, and because they are rushing from church to church to say Masses, sometimes they don't show up, are late, and do not know where anything is when they arrive. We fear for their safety, health, and see burnout coming rapidly to them. We are told that priests will not be available to speak with us following Mass because they are rushing to the next church for Mass. In the newly arranged family of parishes, there is a designated pastor who is also rushing about. We are told that if we have any questions about what is happening, to ask the office manager, most of whom do not know any more than the parishioners and are part-time, or ask the pastor who's not around. The churches are in an uproar. Elderly people are leaving the churches and saying they will watch Mass on TV because they don't know when Mass will take place because that is changing too. I know this is a long text, but it barely scratches the surface about what is happening at every church. We are disoriented, brokenhearted, and angry. We have no voice with this being thrust upon us. They tell us the Eucharist is the focus, but we don't believe it. What can we do? Thank you and God bless you, Mary. To begin with, Mary, the Eucharist is the focus, and you must believe it. If you don't believe it, there's no point in a priest being at the church or you're having regular churches or regular masses. The Eucharist is everything. So if you don't believe it, uh, nothing else matters. Um, If you do believe it, everything matters. I, years ago, I mean, this is a picture of what's happening in the church, and it's coming upon us, beloved. I haven't heard of a situation quite like this, but I've heard of of, uh, uh, dioceses where this is coming about, and it's tremendously evil and tragic. Um, um, Years ago, in 1999, I went with SALT, the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, to Vladivostok, Far East Europe. There were three of us who went, a priest from SALT, a religious sister from SALT, and at the time I was their third, I was a layperson, and that was their team, a priest, a sister, and a layperson. I went with them. We were there for five weeks, and I don't remember three or five weeks, and we were in an area called Primorsky, which was about twice the size of Texas and had three priests. Twice the size of the state of Texas and had three priests. And the only time people got to receive the Eucharist was hopefully monthly when a priest could travel by car or plane or train and get to an area and bring the Holy Eucharist to them. There were no churches because uh, communism shut them all down and um, they had a mass in a school uh, once we were in a latrine, awful stuff. And once I went without the priest and the sister because they needed to be with the, uh, the bishop of Irkutsk at the time, and I went by myself uh, with a translator to different areas, which, and I spoke to them all. I taught with the translator, but I couldn't bring the Eucharist, so 
th- th- once a month they longed for the Eucharist, and when they saw me coming, they were happy that somebody was coming, but they couldn't have the Eucharist. So uh, it's not a time to be angry. It's a time to be holy and to pray and to find churches, no matter what you have to do, um, who can, uh, uh, pastors, who can bring you the Holy Eucharist. That's what you need to do. And I, I say, if you can do anything to find a Latin Mass, even if you have to travel uh, two hours on a Sunday, find a Latin Mass and go there. Um, there might be uh, some priests who are willing to ce- celebrate Mass uh, so-called underground in homes and different places. Um, I think we're upon that time. It's not so obvious to everyone, but it is you. And so... Um, you do, you're right. You have no voice with this being thrust upon you. Um, and, and you say they tell us the Eucharist is the focus, but we don't believe it. If you don't believe it, there's nothing you can do. If you believe it, you will travel far and wide to worship our Lord in the Eucharist. Um, and uh, it, it's the time we live in. And I, I think um, we, we need, I'm glad you're sympathetic, sympathetic to those priests that are running their heads off I'm glad for that, um, but you need to worship God. You need to gather in small prayer groups, in homes, and find priests who can celebrate the Eucharist for you um, and uh, draw close to God and become holy and truly become domestic churches in your homes. Um, Uh, Trish from Buffalo is on the line. Hi, Trish. Hi, Mother. I'm so glad I caught you before the end of your show. I really I know. Pretty opinion. close. Good. So, All right, honey. Yes. Yeah, so, um, my kids are homeschooled, but they do attend a Catholic co-op two times a week. And they told me that they are going to start implementing Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And I researched it, and it is extremely problematic to me. Um, I'm not sure if you've researched it yourself. It's a Montessori-based I know. Who is absolutely not Catholic. Um, so what is your opinion? I'm actually going to pick them up, and I was going to speak to the teacher when I get there about Trish, it. yeah, I, I, um, I, I wish I had a definitive answer for you. I did research it, into it a few years ago because there was a Latin mass parish that was going to institute it. And I did find some quite problematic things with it. And I, I advised the, the, the parishioners then to take it to their pastor and not to use it. Um, I didn't want to say that over the air right now without giving you uh, real specifics because I don't have them in front of me. It's several years and I don't recall but um, uh, I would have to look. So I think if you do a search online and uh, just say um, problematic issues, something like that, with the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, you may find what they are. I'd have to look them up. And um, since we're near the program, I will look them up, and I'll try to address it on tomorrow's program. But I would say I do recall it was problematic. Enough for me to... Uh, suggest to people that they don't use it. I know it's extremely popular, but I remembered concluding I would not use it. Yeah, it was a lot of language of children are divine and humans and adults are not, you know, are human and just like strange 
strange things that I'm like, what are they talking about? That is That's not right. Catholic yeah. at all. No, it's not. And I don't recall those words, but um, there were there were a few things that were uh, worrisome enough for me to to not recommend it. So, Trish, dear, I'll do what I can uh, to look it up this afternoon and address it on tomorrow's program. Oh, great. Thank you so much. You're welcome, sweetheart. And uh, God bless all of you. Live the faith with your whole heart, mind, and soul. Our last email of of parishes being shut down, priests being overworked, um, and uh, young people not coming, and elderly leaving and watching TV, the Mass on TV, which is not being at the Mass at all. Uh, We're in these times that Our Lady predicted, and we need to not be victims of it but do whatever we can to get to a Latin Mass and to be holy and to celebrate the faith at home. God bless you, and we'll speak with you tomorrow.